Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson, and a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talk's Rebel Yell. Yes, sir. After a two-week break or so, Rebel Yale returns, and returns in a big, bad way. After the heavy heaviness of Path of the Jedi, we are introduced in the Rebels universe and Rebels continuity to, uh, well, that scoundrel, that smuggler, that Tabana Gas Miner himself, Lando Calrissian. And we're going to talk all about it to help us do that, of course, is the co-host of Disney Vault Talk and Rebel Yell. She is the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. I love Lando. <laughs> really? Just a side note. Huh. I, I would think I would think that most, most ladies would be kind of turned off by the way he was acting and everything. Um, I think every woman loves a little scoundrel. Just a little bit. Okay. All right. And also to help us break it down, he is the man who is responsible for the look and the feel of the Goliverse. He reached out to me some seven years ago and said, hey, your website sucks. I'm going to make it better. And make it better he did and has continued. And I've leaned on him for years and years and years and years since then. Good friend of the show, but also a good friend from Rebels Podcast, Michael Cohen. What's up, buddy? Thank you. It's, I, it, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be on Rebel Yell. Yeah. Uh, I never get to talk about Star Wars, Rebels in particular. I mean, it's just... Uh... I thought you had Rebels Podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. I do at rebelspodcast.com. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Are you Sorry, gonna... I forgot about that. <clears throat> Are you going to make this one big plug fest? <laughs> uh, well, I, I I learned it from watching you. Steve, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I learned it from watching you, <laughs> or listening yeah. rather. Well, he was there, man. He was there at Celebration <laughs> Five. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, and I mean, it was a geek out loud shirt every day. <laughs> it was it was just letting people know, hey, geek out, geek out online, you know that kind of thing. And um and then man, when we were pimping out the the service at Celebration Six, mm-hmm. I would just walk up to people. Hey, want a flyer? Hey, want a flyer? Hey, want a flyer? <laughs> want a flyer? Want a pen? Want yeah. a magnet? Take one. Take one. Just take a flyer. I'm giving them out. They're free. Take it. So yeah, man, uh, it's good to have you on board, man. And and it's and it's a fun episode to talk about. Like I say, this episode really was kind of like a a, a breather in a way after what we'd seen. With Path of the Jedi, I mean Path of the Jedi, we could still be talking about it right now, mm, you yeah. know. And uh, but but to come along now and, and kind of lighten the mood, we get to we get to hang out with the whole crew again, which is fun. And uh, and there are a few questions to to kind of come out of this. Overall, just kind of before we get into this, Cohen, what was kind of your overall thought and and just your general reaction to this episode? I you know I, I it was nice. 
it was nice to get back to to the quicker pace. Um, I Rebels is kind of still at this point to me feels a little bit slow. Um, it's not to say that it isn't good. It's just like it's got more of that Empire vibe than it does uh, maybe a, a Return of the Jedi or a New Hope that 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 I really want. Right uh, where where we're kind of like cutting back and forth and doing all of these different things at once. Uh, we kind of all of these stories so far have kind of taken their time. Um, but that said, this episode starting to kind of ramp things up a little bit and get us, uh, moving towards, I I think the finale, but without any of the real mythology stuff, I don't know. I, we, we needed the sort of the adventure and excitement back after last week's episode, which although being a great episode was very, uh, was very metaphorical and very heady and kind of like there was, there was a lot to, to, uh, unpack in 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 path of the jedi but with this one it was much more on the surface so it was easier to just sit back and enjoy it and and the the best possible addition to that is is billy d williams's lando i mean it doesn't it, i don't think it's gotten better uh in terms of of just like like fun characters that, that we have a good time with than than in this episode with lando he was excellent yeah and you know billy d of course brings just brings so much cool to what's going on in, in the show. Teresa, what were your overall thoughts and general reaction to Idiot's Array? I loved it. It's my favorite episode of the season. Really? Actually. Yeah. Wow. I've seen it like probably four or five times. Um, I watched it twice in one day. <laughs> um, I don't know. There was something about it, and actually I can tell you exactly what it is. The Hera I have wanted for forever finally has arrived mm. in this episode. And because I loved her so much in A New Dawn, and we finally get to see the version of Hera that's in A New Dawn <clears throat> appear in the show. Um, and I can't say enough about the way that Vanessa Marshall like delivered her lines because they were perfect. Um, I don't know. There was something about this episode because you got every a little bit of every single character without it being too much of one or the other. Um, and you like everybody's like, interactions with Lando just helped develop his character over the entire episode. And I think it was the first really true solid episode that they've had from start to finish to hmm. where it felt like it can stand alone. It started off well, ended well. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was like the perfect mix. Wow, because see, I I felt like to have Lando come in was a great idea. Billy D. Williams voicing him was wonderful, but I felt like I don't know. I felt like after just the rush I got from the previous two episodes, that even though this was a much needed breather, it was a little bit of a letdown for me. And I mean, I I could see that. I think it's just, I tend to be the type of person that sits more on the surface. I'm not a super deep analytic kind of person most of the time. So I like these kind of episodes. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, it felt to me sort of like an old 80s TV show episode yes. where you yep. have a good start, a good end, and that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I like that. Yeah. And I just, I want to go ahead and get this out of the way just so I can know for sure. Your thoughts on the puffer pig? 
<laughs> you loved him. <laughs> I knew it. Hilarious. <laughs> I knew it. And he's not even a furry person. He's just hilarious. <laughs> like, I love, um, since you guys directed me over to StarWars.com for all of the um, concept art, mm-hmm. I love Amy Beth Christensen's drawings of him. She's got like four mm-hmm. pages worth of drawings of the puffer pig. You know, he, he, he reminds me a lot, especially in those illustrations. Uh, anybody who has the Episode 1 art book, uh, there are all sorts of illustrations of Jar Jar really early in development when he had the, the sort of like pig-like snout with a little sidekick. He had like a little a little round uh, uh, sort of, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess like a Gungan cat. Like a, a sort of like this, this uh, uh, amphibious sort of mammalian sort of reptilian cat thing that that was in a bunch of the illustrations <clears throat> and the puffer pig really reminded me of that especially in those concept art illustrations so i wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't a source of inspiration for for a little bit of the design that went into it and i i thought that the the characterization in that silly little animal in in the cuz he's really only in like the the last third of the episode but uh, the the parts that he is in, it, fantastic. I, like I, I just I thought it was so much fun. There's people who complain about the Disneyfication of Star Wars. Um, if this is what they're talking about, then they should stop complaining because it's just I think it's just fun. I I, I think it it adds the levity that I uh, that that the droids and that uh, that we saw a lot in the prequels. I I sort of with the with the bit of the more slapstick type stuff. Um, that I think uh, that I think is enjoyable for for a lot of people, uh, not just adults, but it keeps the kids entertained, which is a good thing. <clears throat> I mean, get, getting them engaged with Star Wars, with something that they can uh, I, I don't know uh, hug and squeeze and love, is <laughs> is a good thing. I mean, like I want I want them to make Puffer Pig stuffed animals. Right. See me too. I keep finding more and more I want a Loth cat, yeah. a Kitwar, and yeah. a puffer pig, please. Yeah. But the thing the puffer pigs remind me of fainting goats, like in real life. <laughs> yes. You know? I was like, fainting goat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Only instead of falling over it just blows up. And I love the I'm... fact that Zeb's so ugly, he just it just scares him. <laughs> And he puffs up and blocks the hallways. Great, great moment. Well, um, we we open up this episode back at at the bar, back at the uh, place where we saw an Empire Day, where that was where we were first introduced. Old Joe's Pit Stop, that cool that cool shack with the uh, with the old Republic gunship adorned over the top of it and everything. And um, and and they're playing Sabak now or Sabak. How do you guys say it? I don't know. Uh, I, I've always just said Sabak. Yeah. I've always said Sabak. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah. Sabak. But here's the thing about Sabak, really quick. I have to admit that I really had no idea what Sabak was, and I thought it was the game they played on the Falcon with the little monsters. No. Um, that's Dejeric. But I'm, I'm wrong because mm-hmm. I was informed that that is called something else. Yeah, that's Dejeric. Okay. Yeah. Um,. They could have clarified that. At That's right. I'm showing myself. my geek off. Well, Sabak is actually it was introduced in the old Lando trilogy of books from back way back in the day. Oh yes, yeah. I haven't read those. Did you ever I think, read? I think actually its first appearance might even be in the Empire Strikes Back novelization because right. it was because it was right. in the movie, but like it, it was in the original script, but it got cut out. That's right. right. But, That's right. 
that uh, that's how that's how obviously Lando lost the Falcon to Han. So yeah, you're right. Oh, no, really? That's how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ha ha. Did did Han have an idiot's array? See now that that's sort of my inference from this episode that Lando is is so uh, happy with himself. He's so pleased because he's got the idiots array, and I'll bet you anything that that's exactly how Han managed to beat him and take the Falcon. Is like a, a total reversal of that situation where Lando is just like, "Well, I've got twenty three. I don't have anything to worry about," and then uh, and then there it is. Han had the idiots array. And uh, and and that's probably why uh, Han expected him to be a little bit more upset than he was. Well, so for our listeners, you can go over to StarWars.com, and I just learned this a few minutes ago. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the, the point of Sabacc is to get 23 yep. mm-hmm. in your cards, mm-hmm. and an idiot's array is having a 0, a 2, and a 3. Right. And that's the only hand that beats having a hand of 23. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's like Blackjack Boat. <clears throat> It, it isn't. It isn't a way. And a, and a lot of times in the, uh, if I recall right, in the, um, oh my gosh, what am I in in the expanded universe back in the day, when they would be sitting down to play this game, the cards would actually change in their hands. Like you know, it would the the cards would shift and change. Am I remembering that right, Cohen? It's not Harry Potter. I know. I- yeah, that sounds familiar. My the the majority of my familiar familiarity with Sabak before I I sort of this episode and and the stuff that's in the in the sort of the databank or whatever mm-hmm. on starwars.com actually comes from from old role playing games. Right. Um and sort of like 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 picking things up here and there from that. Um like the like the old West End game stuff. Um so like I I don't I don't know that it was that it was quite as fleshed out back then because it was they kind of put out actual mechanics so that you could play it within a role playing campaign right um, and that was the first time that it ever existed right that's that's or that that it existed in in reality sort of yeah. as a game that could be played well but now I, but I think there's a, there's been a lot of like expanded universe mentions of it that haven't necessarily stuck to the the uh, sort of those concrete rules that were created but but rebels now puts it kind of firmly in the canon yeah that that's the thing and and i didn't mean to be one of those eu guys but when they just laid the (laughs) cards down they were they were i got to think i'm like i thought there was something that happened where the where the cards themselves actually changed so while you guys were talking i did a little bit of this action let me google that for you and uh, there is a shifting phase. The cards themselves are small electronic devices with a display panel covering the surface of one side. This panel is capable of shifting the displayed suit and value of each card when told to do so by the computer running the game or when a player has the option to manually shuffle the card's value. In this fashion, uh, a player can receive new cards or any possible suit or ring without actually having to take new cards from the deck itself. So. I think that Cardamundi USA, who has the license for playing cards with Star Wars, should make a Sabacc mm-hmm. card game with rules and put mm-hmm. it out <laughs> so we can play at Celebration. I think it would be a fantastic uh, promotional item at Star Wars Celebration to just Heck give yeah. us all decks of Sabacc cards so that we can be sitting in line waiting for whatever panel it is, you know, uh, uh, maybe a, a panel with Oscar Isaac or... Uh, or uh, you know maybe a John Boyega or something like that, and uh, and be playing 
and and betting all of our valuables and and if they did that no one that comes to celebration will leave with any of the items that they arrived with because we'll all just be gambling everything we own pretending that we're han solo all of us thinking we can win someone else's millennium falcon (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go around collecting everybody's podcast and website buttons or pins and then i'm gonna bet those yeah use those as chips to play with (laughs) use those as credits um it is interesting this is obviously after lando has lost the falcon um Mm. because he doesn't have it and 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 so that you I like how you're like he he just kind of put out the idiots array with a with a bit of a smile, but I also think it's in isn't it not is it not kind of implied that Lando cheated? No, I don't see how. <laughs> he you, just you said don't... I'm Lando, Lando <laughs> Calrissian. <laughs> You don't see how Lando Calrissian, card shark and smuggler Absolutely could have not. possibly cheated, uh, especially if you say if you say to me that there is an electronic component to those cards, I say to you that Lando absolutely cheated. Uh, I don't and <clears throat> I wouldn't put it past Han. I, I I think Han probably cheated in order to get the Falcon. So like, you know, I th- I think that that I uh, that is probably sort of uh a tertiary aspect of playing this game. Like, uh, uh, you, you sort of, um, you expect going into a Sabbath game that, that somebody's going to pull something at some point, right? Uh, otherwise, why would, why would Han immediately, when they're playing Dejaric, uh, I jump to the, the fact that Wookiees don't like to lose, right? Uh, that, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like there's a little bit of history there. Well, now uh, let no, no, look for some stuff. Wendy in the chat brings up a good question. Didn't Lando win the Falcon in a in a Sabat game as well? According to those, I'm trying to remember my Lanta. Um, I thought you were gonna say I'm trying to remember my Lando. <laughs> uh, I am trying to remember my Lando history um, because in in those books, and again, not they're le- they're definitely legends now. <laughs> um yes. uh but Lando was uh he had he had the Falcon in those books in those in those three books and I can't remember what the names of those things were but um someone help me out and uh the Falcon was sold to Mulpole's Traveling Circus and was a collateral of at least a few wagers before coming into the hands of a young Lando Calrissian um so there well okay and uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess he won it. Uh, he acquired the game. He acquired the Falcon in a game of Sabacc on Bespin around, this says, five years before the Battle of Yavin. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's kind of thrown out. Not quite, but sort of. Yeah, he could still get to Bespin and <laughs> win that thing. But this, the early mining proclivities of, of Lando come into play in this, in this episode as <laughs> yes. well. He's, he's using that puffer pig to do some mining. And, uh, and, and, and that led to a discussion and, and I know we're jumping all over the place here, but it led to the one question that I kind of came away with. I think that really matters to me. He said that there was a greater Imperial presence there on Lothal than normal. Is Mm -hmm. this just because of the rebels? I don't know. They had a look on their face like, Oh, that might be our fault. Right. They all exchanged some glances. When he said that, Go yeah, 
I think it's I think it's a hundred percent one in well I guess two two individuals Canaan uh, uh, and Ezra I, I think they they the Inquisitor brings along with him a, a very large retinue he's he's got a posse uh, I think as as the kids say these days he rolls deep uh, oh, uh, with dear. his posse yeah so that's how I, I that's how he, I roll he comes with with probably his own small fleet right <laughs> like uh, and and obviously they want to get these rebels this rebel cell before it gets out of hand um and he's been tasked by darth vader himself i mean i i don't think that that the inquisitor is allowed to fail in this task right so hmm. so they've probably got lothal on on lockdown at this point now what i mean what do you think he's going after i don't, it's just it's kind of an odd thing because now lando is on lothal which and means we're gonna see him again. Do you think that's what it means? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. I can't wait for that. Do you think they'll go to Tanab and he'll pull off a maneuver <laughs> at a battle of Tanab? <laughs> Who knows? They can do anything they want. Um <laughs> Hera kinda saw right through Lando the whole time. Oh, of course she did, mm-hmm. but that's what made their interactions fantastic. I think one of my favorite lines is when he says, what do you say? Ooh, you're some pilot. That's the smoothest takeoff I've had in years. <laughs> <laughs> and her response is, and you're a smooth-talking smuggler. A smuggler? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, let me ask you guys this. Because, and, and, and it's going to sound like I've been listening to another podcast and was informed by that, but I'm not. This is the first thing I thought when I saw this episode uh, when it was first up on the Disney Watch Disney XD app. And the first thing I thought after watching this, I'm like, wow, that seemed more like a caricature of Lando or almost a bit of a parody of Lando than, than Lando. Oh, no. Me. No. All right, well, help me out with it, Teresa. I don't know. For me, I think... Billy D did a great job of making Lando relevant to the time frame that he's in. And I know I've heard some people say that he couldn't mask his age in his voice, but I think that he did a great job. Um, I think that in Lando's youth, he's more animated and more full of mm-hmm. himself and more, you know, trying to be a, you know, I don't know, a pimp for lack of a better <laughs> word. <laughs> I don't know, a pimp. <laughs> like, he's, you know, he's trying to, he's hitting on everybody. I mean, he hits on Sabine, and she's like 16. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I, well, and, and, and I think what people need to keep in mind here is that if Lando is is somewhere around 30-ish, in, in like sort of his, his, his uh, mid to late 30s in Empire, then that places him in sort of his mid 20s almost here right like mid to late 20s and so, you all know how you were in your mid to late 20s hey girl yeah so i i think i think for Lando, particularly a person with a checkered uh, uh past like lando uh he's gonna hold on to sort of that uh mischievous nature let's let's call it um and, and i think everything you need to know about this lando at lando at this point in his life is summed up in how low that neckline is 
and how tacky that gold medallion is. <laughs> right? Like it's all right there. So I think I think it's absolutely it what it shows is an evolution of that character from his his sort of uh, let's call them uh, you know I Lando would probably take offense at this but his meager beginnings uh, here on Lothal to being the administrator of of Cloud City right I mean that's a that that's a big leap from where yeah. he's at now and there's a lot of time in there for him to evolve as a character. And, uh, and a lot of things for him to experience. And who knows, uh, uh, the fact that he is on Lothal and and that he seems to be sticking around. And, and based on that Rebels recon, I'm going to say that he is showing up again, that we will see him again before this series has run its course. Well, they, uh, they, we might get to see some of those moments that, that sort of define him as the uh, much more responsible businessman that, that we know and love him as. Well, Dave Filoni says in that Rebels Recon video, he says, when when Billy D's in studio, mm. as though it happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you get the idea that, I yeah, I, I agree. I imagine he'll be back. I just want to know, when does he get all caped up? When does he decide, <laughs> you know, I'm going to don a cape? Well, I love what Daniel and Indy says in the chat. He said, Lando never ages. He just makes love to life. <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned the voice thing, Teresa. I never heard that. I never heard that. Um, I never heard. I never felt like he sounded old. You know, Yeah, he I sound- didn't either. Um, I know somebody who doesn't tell us about Sesame Place that wrote that in the review we put up on Jedi oh. News. And I was like, hmm, I don't agree with you. All right, so Aaron Goins. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say it. I don't mind. So yeah, I and, and I didn't hear that. I just thought the 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 flirting with Hera, the you know, I know all about art with Sabine. You know, the just completely ignoring, um, in a way, Ezra and Zeb. You know, or or just whatever. I, I just felt like I felt like wow. It, it just seems kind of parody almost of the character. I think it's just a cockier version. Yeah, you know, I can a see younger, that. A younger, cockier version of himself. I can see that. And of course, I mean, the time we spend with Lando in the films is, you know, in Empire, he's got the Empire breathing down his neck while he's, you know, sub- subsequently betraying his friend. And then in Jedi, you know, he's leading he's leading the charge against the second death star. So maybe that's just what it is. Maybe it's that, you know, we, for so long, Billy D has been Lando Calrissian and we've, Mm. you know, and you kind of project that aura of cool on Lando because of Billy D. It's kind of the same thing people projected onto Mace Windu, just based on the fact that he was being played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And yeah, because it's definitely not in the movies. Right. And uh, a Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. It's about time. <laughs> took Maybe you long do enough. Something about yeah, it took that, you yeah. long enough. I'm just going to stand here and wait for Anakin to come tell me. Um, Why does he sound British when you do it? I don't. He says a Sith Lord. That's how. I, that's when he says it. <laughs> um, but but with this, I was just I had to kind of get out of that mindset of 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 everything we've always projected on him and you know and seen in different things and then kind of backtrack and say what do we know how much do we know lando you know in canon in in what is considered canon 
And it's just really what we see in Empire. You know, this deal's getting worse all the time and, and that kind of thing. And so um, I, uh, I don't know. It, it took me a minute to get over that, but I, I enjoyed the episode overall. You know, I did think, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence about the puffer pig. Really? Yeah. He's so cute. Did you see him walk? Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, did. I, not... I want to know what he looks like when he finds something. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, does he, like, pick up one leg and, like, point, you know, like, with another leg? You're kind of doing... Pick up a back leg. Like a dog would point? Yeah. Okay. Like a, like a hunting dog. Yeah. Like a, like a hound? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or does get he the, just... get that pointer sort of uh, uh, posture? Or does he yeah. start digging to it? Or does he? Yeah. Does he dig to it? Does he inflate? Mm. You know, or is that just a defense mechanism? Yeah, the the the, in, the, in, the inflation is just a defense mechanism. Oh, okay. And so I just my thing is I wish they would have called it something different. You know the whole the whole naming things things that we have on Earth with just a different twist to them is kind of. It, it's almost too easy, mm. you know. You don't want it. You don't want it to be too out there, you know. You don't want them to be like, you know, Thanagarian snare beast or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, you hear we hear we hear the term in Empire. We hear nerf herder, you know, a nerf what is a nerf exactly. You know, it's you know it's apparently you know a, a bovine type animal. You hear in Empire Gundark, and we've seen Gundarks, and and though those are those those are strange and alien words to us, they're not so far out there that you can't start to kind of get in your mouth when you say puffer pig. It sounds like something that you could actually find here on Earth, and I don't know. I just don't. It's a puffer fish, but a pig. Right, and it just seemed a little too easy to call it a puffer pig. You could call it a. I'm not creative enough to come up with names, but you could call it a something. Well, and that comes down to I think the the genius of George Lucas is that he had a way of throwing these names and these terms out there, and just kind of letting them hang and letting you just kind of roll them around your head until it just okay, yeah, that that sounds right. It sounds Star Warsy. Sure, yeah. but at the same time, certain things in the Star Wars galaxy don't really have much of a creative bent to them, such as, I don't know, space slug. That kind of yeah, but who? But that word, that term is never uttered. Sure, it's it's not it's not necessarily in the movie, but but I, I don't know. Uh, dragon snake is another one, right? It's what it's is not dra- it's not said tra- in the movie, but it is snake? definitely the official term for that 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 i'm sure probably comes from the original script what now what uh, is hold on what what is the dragon snake the the monster that eats r2 on dagola oh is, is a dragon snake and then like a crate dragon you know like uh, there's to me there there are certain uh, uh and we know this because there are in fact sitting ducks and there are wolf packs within the Star Wars galaxy, that there's more mundane stuff out there. We just don't see it. You know? Well, it's not about the, the, the mundaneness or the mundanity. The mundacity. Mun- mundacity. Is that the oh, word? Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm throwing around my, my $5 words. Is that, is that the right is word? Is that from your word-a-day toilet okay. paper? It is, you know what? I wish I had word-a-day toilet paper. Uh, that would be uh, about as jaunty as, as as it could get, but uh, that's not the proper usage of the word jaunty. But it, um, <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge that I understand your reference. 
It, I, but okay. I, it's it's not it's not the mundacity of of the creature itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I think it's the mundacity of the name. Yeah, and I'm using the term mundacity just to once again have it in my vocabulary for now and always. And and like dragon has a mythology to it. Like dragon sure. could be something to me that just spans the universe. The idea of of the term dragon. Now, Dragon Snake, I'm not a big fan. I mean, you're right, Space Slug, you know, you you got me. You got me. <laughs> but as far as terms that are actually uttered on screen, you know, you can call something a Space Slug in a script and be like, hey, no one's ever going to know about it. You know, no one know what to call it. Uh, or that could just be something the fans, you know, end up calling it, and that's what it... I don't know. Sure. I don't know where those things come from. But Minoc, Tauntaun, Wampa, you know, there are things, and in, in, in I'm Ewok. sure... Ewok, you know... Wookie, and and I know that these things have their origins in some kind of earthly origin for George Lucas. I'm not going to call him by his first name like we're friends or anything, but you know it. But there's a there's a there is a uh, an, an intentionality to mm-hmm. it to to name to give names to these creatures that we see in this galaxy far far away, something that is familiar but at the same time alien. You know, and and I feel like that's I don't. It's a picky thing. I know it's picky, but it's it's just one thing that kind of stuck out to me. Is all I'm what saying. What would you call it? What would I call it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not George Lucas. I'm not. Um, See now, well, for, we call for it me, a piffle. A piffle? <laughs> I don't know. It's I, I mean, a word that's... that popped into my head. <laughs> it's not really it a just, word. It just, just popped of... in there. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I like that. I like Piffle. Piffle's good. That's that to me sounds very Star Wars because a lot of the Star Wars names and this in particular comes from from Return of the Jedi because there were so many creatures, so many characters in, in Jabba's palace that uh, they, they all kind of needed names. And the easiest thing to do is to take what they look like, whatever mm-hmm. they are, and then just sort of flip it around, you know, like a uh, 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 re-yeez is just three eyes sort of uh, right, jumbled, right? Right, right. So, yeah. well, uh, and, that, and... That's, a, that's a common Star Wars trope to take. Uh, knock for a, a couple episodes ago, Dave Filoni, I think, talked about it, that it, it had started, I think, uh, uh, fear, as Fear Knock, and, the, and which sounded a lot like, like my knock, and uh, which sort of implied some sort of a connection. And uh, but fear knock is, I think, an actual word. I think like that's an actual. No, they started. They started with knockfer. To be oh, like, is that? Yeah, okay. yeah. So with its, they, with its origin. Yeah, with its origin meaning okay. like night terror or night fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they flipped it to sound more like my knock. You know, to fit in. And I thought that was a, a okay. stroke of just brilliance to say yeah. not that they're related to the my but that in in a in a in a galaxy where. You know, people are categorizing things and they're calling things certain things like, you know, a panda bear is not really a bear, right? No, it's not. Okay, but because it kind of has bear looks to it, you know, early on they said, oh, it's a panda bear. You know, and then when we start to really study the species, we understand, oh, it's more related to this other thing than, than the bears. And and so I could totally see that happen. And that makes sense. Like, I see how quickly I got that whole backstory in my head about a fear knock. Um, Exogorth is what the the space slug, by the way, is called okay. in, in Legends. 
Um, Legends books. Uh, I'm on Wikipedia. I'm now. I am now a Wikipedia fool. Uh, so, but no. And and you were mentioning the stuff on Jabba's palace. I go back to the cantina. All my life, you know, I grew up knowing Hammerhead, not Mamal Nadon. Yeah. You know, and Hammerhead is very early Walrus Man, rather than Baba Bonda or whatever his name, Baba Ponda or however you Ponda Baba. Oh, Ponda we Bonda. were wrong, by the way. About what? A giant panda is a member of the bear family. Oh, well, there's something that's not something. I just wanted to check. Yeah, there's something, there's some animal that looks like another animal, but it's not really related to that animal. Oh, um, you're talking about a, a, a red panda. Yes, thank you. A red panda is not a panda bear. No, a red panda is not a panda bear. A red panda is more closely related to a fox. Yeah, thank you. And you're a welcome. koala bear is not a bear. No, it's not a bear. Exactly, it's, it's a marsupial. marsupial. So anyhow... Um, <laughs> what is this? The big honking show? We're That's talking right. a lot about animals. <laughs> but in in return, but going to return the Jedi, you know, you had Walrus Man, and okay, mm-hmm. you know, okay, that's that's a. But it was also a Kenner name, you know, yeah. more than anything. But when you get to Jedi, you have three skiff guards: Klaatu, uh, Nikto, and Barada. And I was in my thirties before I ever saw the day the Earth stood still, the original one. <laughs> And when those three words are uttered to shut down that robot, I'm like, that's where George Lucas got those names from. Why didn't anyone ever tell me this? But see, now, th- this this tells everybody listening to this that, that you also are not that familiar with the Evil Dead series. Mm-mm. Because uh, the, the, the magic words that, that uh, Ash has to say in order to... I think in order to... to, to so it's been so long since I've seen the first two, but in Army of Darkness, he's told that he has to say them exactly this way while he's holding the Necronomicon in order to to return home or something, and he says it wrong. He what does he have to it. say? I choose you, Pikachu. <clears throat> he's, he has to say Klaatu Barada Nikto, mm-hmm. right? But he says Klaatu Barada, and then and then all 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 heck breaks loose. Well, as now, oh, as far and as the so, Evil Dead stuff goes, my good friend Derek Russell. Yes. Years ago, I was looking for a movie to watch, and I and I knew Army of Darkness was kind of like funny horror, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 I and I didn't and I knew it was also like the third one, and so I said, well, what about this Evil Dead series? Is Evil Dead scary? He's like, no, it's not really scary. I brought it <laughs> home. I watched it. I was freaked out all night long. <laughs> that first Evil Dead. Don't watch it, people. It is. Scary. I don't watch stuff. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, the sir. first ones. The first ones. I mean, it's it's still kind of silly, but it is definitely uh, it's in, it's got some intense moments. Too. Yeah. Anyhow, we're not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> puffer pigs and piffles. And, and idiots and piffles. Okay, piffles and it's right. Well, they said puffer pig in the thing, so. But we renamed it a piffle. Okay, done. Renamed it a piffle. Um, so <laughs> I want to talk about as Morrigan or as Morrigan. As Morrigan. As Morrigan. What is he supposed to be? I know that he's based on Ralph McQuarrie's Job of the Hut design, early yeah. early Job of the Hut designs, and and when I saw the picture on StarWars.com, I immediately remembered that's how I, I like I kept seeing him like I know what he is, I know what he is, I should know what this thing is, and then when I saw the the picture, I'm like, oh, that's what it is because I have the old Return of the Jedi sketchbook, you know they 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 release uh, I know I've got Empire and, and Jedi. And and they're basically concept art for all these things, mm-hmm. and uh, and Macquarie's concept art's in this, and that's one of the things that was in there was this early concept art for Jabba, and that's one of those things. Um, 
why not I why not use because he mentions Visago. Why not use Visago for this thing? Because Visago is not a gross thing from The Hobbit. <laughs> he does look like that fat troll in that one Hobbit movie, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I guess. So. I think I think Visago has a, has a larger role to play in the series, um, and and I I think that we'll see him again probably before the end of the season. I uh, but I I think that they have something in mind for that character, um, and and so they wouldn't want to uh, necessarily put our heroes at odds with him uh, uh, too much because then he'll start to be seen as an enemy and not as sort of this more neutral party, right? Because that's what he is. Like see, he's... I already kind of... Uh, but no, see, I already kind of see him as an enemy, I guess. Sure. Well, he's a he, Bane. You know? Yeah, I, I think, but even to, like, le- less of a degree, because I think that Cad Bane is a bit of a ruthless guy. Yeah, I think he's no, more... No, Hon- no, He's more of he's a... He's more Hondo Anaka than Cad Hondo, Bane. Hondo, yeah. He's yeah, more of a he's Hondo. definitely a Hondo, right? Like, where where we, we don't know from one episode to the next where he's going to be in, in sort of the greater scheme of things. Yeah, but he's a uh, little bit... He's, he's a little bit more ruthless than Hondo, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that we've really seen too much from him yet that that would say sort of one way or the other whether or not he is at, sort of that ruthless. I think that he's a little bit uh, uh, less friendly to our characters than we saw Hondo in later se- seasons uh, with specifically Obi-Wan, I think. Like Hondo, Hondo and Obi-Wan end up having a history by the end of The Clone Wars where you you kind of expect them to be uh, a little bit more friendly to one another, but uh, I, I don't. Hondo did some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, well, aren't we first introduced to Hondo in that one episode where he's running the farmers off their land? Yeah. That's the second. That's the time second that we time. See no, him. we're yeah, oh. we're introduced to him when he kidnaps Dooku and then kidnaps yeah. Obi Wan and Anakin. Um, but as we're talking about As Morgan, uh, how hard is it to get a puffer pick? A piffle. A piffle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How hard is it to get one of these things? Because Lando's going in and trading Hera. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I love that scene. <laughs> Fantastic. What, you loved you loved her. You loved him trading Hera. No, I just I love the whole scene when he trades her, and she's like, "Thank you, Lord Calrissian, for delivering to me to my new master. How can I ever repay you?" <laughs> you know. Well, when he says when As Morgan says something about her. Her clothing is preposterous. The animators did a great job of just giving her this subtle little like, what you talking about? Yeah. It was just this great moment of, of, yes. of just the look she gives. But, um, I, you know, I, I think it speaks highly. And this is, and Teresa, you mentioned earlier, I, this is the stuff I love to see out of these characters because it really speaks highly of, of Hera's intellect and her adaptability to situations to immediately step into it and know... I got no other play here but to play into it and then get to one of those escape pods. Mm. She's like, oh, now I have to be the traditional Twi'lek. You know? Yeah, yeah. I love it. She's like, perhaps you would like to dine alone. You know? Mm -hmm. Smack! To get those guards out of there and (laughs) then to... I like the line that Lando throws on him. He's like, when when they get back down the planet side, and he and and as Morgan and his people are waiting on him, and he's like, uh, "You walked here? <laughs> you never walk anywhere." 
yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's some good stuff there. That's that's some pretty good stuff. Um, but I no, I, back to the Zara thing. You know, this is what I've wanted to see out of this character because I knew it was there. Mm-hmm. You know, from from reading uh, a new dawn and and just just knowing that this character has this in her, the way that she played into it, she took him out immediately. No, you know, no time wasted just to to get done, get back to the ghost, and um, and then and then Chopper. What was Chopper? I mean, did Lando charm Chopper or what? Oh no, you missed the best part. Okay, she gets she gets gets out of her situation, gets back to the go the ghost and punches Lando straight in the gut. Well, yeah. Hilarious. Yes, yeah. That's true. She I punches Kanan and Lando in the same episode. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but the punch she gives Kanan is more like idiot. Yeah, I know, but yeah. still. Yeah, the punch the punch she gives Kanan is the punch that a future lover would give oh, her. Oh, no. <laughs> not why happening. Do say, why do you say future? No, uh. they're not. They are not space married not Colin, yet. You don't understand. Not yet. You don't understand. I am I, fighting this battle with Steve. Okay, you can you can fight the battle all you want. They've implied, I think, three times in the series that the two of them are um, once again to 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 call back to to what the kids are saying in in the streets these days. I think they're on the down low with their relationship. I, I like you know I, I think that if you asked Zeb or Sabine, they'd be like, well. Yeah, everybody knows, right? And I think sooner or later that'll come out in an episode. But, but it, I don't know. To me, it's it's very implied. It's it's even implied by a new dawn that that those characters have a destiny. No, uh, all that's implied in a new dawn is that Kanan is a lovesick puppy Kanan's and that he's dog. in love with Hera. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll give I you know, that. I, I got the sense that 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 Hera saw something in Kanan that. That he didn't see in himself yet, right? And like, all uh, and all that means is that she sees potential for him on her crew yeah. of what he could do that would benefit her cause. That's it. So she's just a cold-hearted witch. No, she's a focused, independent woman that has that puts the mission before anything else. Okay, and the thing is, is I've always agreed with that, but mm-hmm. but you can't be in close quarters with someone you have feelings for that long before it all finally comes down. Nah, we'll see. I'm not saying maybe eventually, okay? But, like, right now, no, no. I I agree. Not right now. Vanessa Marshall has even said. Yeah. And if Vanessa Marshall says it, I go with it. I I think I... But just to go back to your point, just because she's focused uh, and independent and and sort of doing uh, what needs to be done for this cause, that doesn't need to be uh, uh, exclusive and separate from a, uh, a, a, I would even say like a casual relationship with, with Kanan that she might have. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how deep that goes, but I do think that they definitely care about each other. Um, and it, this is Star Wars we're talking about. Uh, if we're lucky over the course of five seasons, they might kiss once, right? So, <laughs> and, and that will make them married. And then in 30 years, when they make a story that is a sequel to it, when they're not actually officially married and have, you know, 13 kids, everybody's going to get really upset. Uh, I, I'm not meaning to imply anything about episode seven here, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the child of Canaan and Hera. That would be weird. Lupita what Nyong'o. Would a, what would a human 
Twi'lek child look like? Like, would it be human but green? Lapidan. We saw that. We saw it in in the Clone Wars. Le- no, no, he had. Those were adopted kids. I don't know. They never. I don't think they ever said that. Yeah, yeah. The family. He took the family in. in yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Those weren't his kids. Clones can't have babies. I don't know about that. I'd have to, I'll have to go back like, and watch that episode. It's like Jurassic Park, though. Like, just because you make them all female doesn't mean that, you know, nature will find a way. Life finds a way. Well, Life finds a that's way. That's right. So so now the clones are Jurassic Park dinosaurs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you totally threw me off what I was going to respond with. Oh, no, no. Kanan uh, and Hera's child looks like Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first, exclusive for Rebel Yell. That's right. right. That's right. Um, that's all speculation, everybody. That's not spoilers, <laughs> so get your panties out of a lot. Um, that's not even speculation. That's what I call a 10,000-point call. Um, <laughs> and if it comes to fruition, you can just blame it on the little force tingle in the back of my mind. Um, it's seven, eight, nine. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> does it, does it, Steve, does your, uh, does your force tingle have that little noise? Like when the force arrives in, in, uh, rebels, the, just that doo-doo. little line. Yeah. Yeah. That little line of music. Uh, no, it's more like a spotty sense where my, I feel like my brain's vibrating and I just have to say whatever pops in my head or, or it's going to blow up. <laughs> so. Um, it's gonna be a really weird feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I was going around Celebration Six, spouting seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Drop the mic, walk away. Uh, that's what I thought George was going to do at those closing cer- ceremonies. That's what I, I said. The closing ceremony is just going to be everyone gets in, sits down. George Lucas walks out on stage to huge thunderous applause. Everyone sits down to listen. He just goes seven, eight, nine, and just walks out. And you uh, know, I'm I'm not. I, I having having personally experienced that with you, Steve. Uh, I'm not prepared to say that that wasn't a possibility. I, oh, I think it very much was. I think they wanted to do it. It just didn't come together. They weren't. Know? Yeah, they they didn't have everything finalized enough yeah. to be able to do it. I think they really wanted to do it, and they scram and they scrambled to say, "Well, let's make Celebration Europe to the big announcement, you know, and get us a German band." And we need pretzels and beer outside the room. Yeah, because yeah. that just was, that did not seem anticlimactic. Yeah. like a big deal. Yeah, it was anticlimactic. Uh, we're all sitting there on pins and needles waiting for something huge. And they're like, uh, bratwurst. Yeah, yeah. And I, we were like, I think we all looked at each other and we're like. There were some we booze. Didn't, we didn't believe 7, 8, and 9, but we at least thought it was going to be something better than this. Yeah, yeah. And I am I am completely envious of everyone who's going to get to watch uh, episode three, episode two and three in three D mm-hmm. out at Celebration Anaheim, um, because those are those are things that I was more than really almost more than anything else I was really disappointed that those releases of the movies got put on hold not because I wanted to see them in three D necessarily, but just to see them on the big screen again, all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I yeah. and and I think you know that Disney, in a way, did themselves a disservice by not moving forward in the time allotted between the acquisition and this year by going ahead and and screening those things along and along, not, whether three D or not, just to get everyone pumped up for December eighteenth of this year. 
Yeah, but I think you also have to look at it from the other side of things. I, I obviously with with shutting down Clone Wars abruptly like they did, and and basically scrapping work that was done. I mean, they 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 tried really hard to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and thankfully, uh, Lucasfilm Animation and 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 the crew over there got us our final season as well as as those lost uh, the the not even the lost episodes, but that that last four those sort of like unfinished animatic episodes. Um, but they, I think Disney wanted to distance themselves as much as possible from the prequels. Not because like we love the prequels. I think anybody listening to this has an appreciation at the, in the least for, for, for the prequels. But I think that if you just walk into the general public and you start talking about star Wars to people, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is how bad those three movies are. And you say to them, well, have you actually seen all three of them? And they'll say, no, I, I, I saw episode one when I was 13. Right. And, and that's a, that's a really difficult thing to fight against from a PR standpoint. And I think by shutting that down, uh, not having those movies come out in the theaters in 3d along with commercials and, and a promotional campaign, they, they actually kind of probably sidestepped a landmine of having these new movies compared even more to the prequels because I think uh, by putting out rebels and by pushing classic trilogy stuff, the way that they kind of have been over the last couple of years, uh, they're they're having people draw comparisons to that way more than they are to to the prequels, right? Uh, well, to the point where that that teaser came out and everybody was excited. And I don't think that that would have happened if they would have just seen episode three because they would have been like, "Is that little droid a, some kind of one of those things that attacked the starfighters at the beginning of episode three? Because if so, I'm out." Right, like that. I think that's what they're trying to avoid. But I, what I'm saying, I guess, Cohen is, is I'm not talking about just the prequels. I'm talking about all six oh, films. Okay. Have yeah. a have a release slate of all six films leading up to, and so that by the time you got to the, you know, this year, I would hope that a new hope would have already been, you know, had a run, yeah. and you know, we'd be looking toward Empire. That sort of that's what that's all I'm saying is is that I would have loved to have seen those on on the screen again. Um, I don't know how we got there. But I will say this: that Lupita Nyong'o is Kanan and Harris' child. Um, <laughs> confirmed, <laughs> confirmed, right here. Put it up on Wikipedia. That's right. Go Cite ahead. This uh, episode of Rebel Yell and uh, yeah, go Wikipedia. ahead. Go ahead and put that out there. Go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> as as much as Harris saw right through Lando, I think we saw a lot of Sabine's youth kind of shine through mm-hmm. in this episode. Totally. Um, you know, Sabine is one of those characters I think we were all looking forward to. Teresa, were you put off by the fact that she kind of played right into Lando's charms? No, I would have been put off by it if she hadn't, because we need to acknowledge her age at some point and acknowledge that she is still a child, because she is. She's a teenager. Um, she's definitely going to have those, you know, oh, I want to be in a relationship and those tendencies and all that kind of stuff, just like we're seeing from Ezra having a crush on her. So it's only natural that she would only have a crush on the the older charming guy, you know, and the one that can woo her and she may be blind to his charms. And it's just, it's kind of like a normal thing that would happen. And I actually admire the fact that they bothered to include it. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting and, and really honest, uh, you know, because a lot of times I think the knee jerk reaction would be in writing 
a series like this be like, you know, she's just the tough kid that's going to see right through his junk, you know. Mm. And the fact that she didn't because her art's so important to her and he starts to kind of lay it on, you know, he's trying to build trust with this whole crew. And it's just, it's really interesting, you know. And, and Hera finally calls it on him when they're on the one side of the puffer pig and Kanan's on the other. You know, she's like, this divide and conquer stuff's not going to work. You know, we need to be a unit to pull this off for you. And uh, and so, therefore, get Chopper to do this thing. I want to get back to the Chopper situation. Chopper was charmed by Lando. Chopper was more cooperative with Lando than I've ever seen him be with anyone on the ghost. He brought him I, coffee. <laughs> or calf. I think with Chopper, it's less a situation of of him being cooperative with Lando as much as he had an opportunity to to sort of be a thorn in everybody else's side. I think just, that Chopper is not uh, one uh, to to not hold a grudge. I guess that's a, that's a bit of a double negative. But but he, uh, I think that he relished in his opportunity to make everybody see how important he is. Right? Like I I don't know. It's uh, I think when you know if. We know that that if R two is is your faithful uh, dog, that that Chopper is your obnoxious cat, and anybody who's had a cat can tell you that like you can you can sit at home and and uh, be watching TV and and your cat walks into the room and uh, and you, you know you want to give your cat attention, but your cat just kind of looks at you and won't have anything to do with you. <laughs> but then you'll have a friend over, and when that friend is over. Your cat's all over that person, and you're like, "Where's all this affection when nobody else is here?" Like, or, like or, I, I'm the one who feeds you. I'm the one who takes care of you, and and you're you're all about this guy. I think that that's what was going on. Chopper was just like, you know what? If you're gonna bet me, if you're if you're gonna gamble with me, like I'm some sort of object, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with Lando then, and and uh, and we'll see how far you guys make it without me. I think that that was kind of his attitude. What you say makes total sense, except that's not my cat at all. No, Neither no, of my cats. No, no, no. no <laughs> Teresa's cats wait until she's podcasting, decide to be all up in the love. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you're completely right, um, Cohen, because, you know, he... But I also think he was trying to do what he needed to do to get the fuel cell. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of it, too. But I think you're right. I think he was definitely like, well, if you're going to bet me, then, you know... All bets are off. I'm going to bring him calf. <laughs> well, and Hera doesn't. Hera refers to Chopper as a member of the crew. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't say he is my droid. She doesn't refer to him as property. She says she refers to him as a member of the crew. And you know, that's a that's something we only see with the way Luke and Anakin uh, treat R two. You know, everyone else around Anakin, and we saw this in the Clone Wars, we even see it a little bit in Episode 3, you know, everyone else around R2 just kind of treats him like a droid. And we see in Star Wars, we see, you know, they're not allowed here. We don't serve their kind. We don't serve droids here. You know, we see that there is a distinction for most people, but but I guess with just like with anything, every now and again, um, you have these people that this isn't just property, this is my friend. And um and so I, I would also say I don't Teresa, I don't know that he knew about that fuel cell till they got to Lando's place. No, probably not. Okay. So I think But it was I think funny watching him try and get it. Yeah, it was oh I thought that was great. The way that like he just revved up and was kicking up dust and 
and his treads were smoking and that sort of thing. I thought that was a cool, good animation. When he had situation. to go off the screen just to be able to get enough <laughs> yeah. momentum to be able to push it. Yes. Um, but no, I really think he was just putting in their face that, look how nice I can be to yeah. someone who treats yeah. me nicely, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do think he was he was a little smitten with Lando as well. I mean, I'm sorry. I would be too. Because I always <laughs> try to warm up to the coolest people in the room. I'm not going to lie. That's how I am. Um, we get uh, we get to that final little standoff uh, at Lando's farm, which is a weird thing to say, or his, you know, his little plot of land where he's going to be doing his mining. And they're all back, and we get to see Ezra use his lightsaber. And, yes, and it was a and it was a really cool moment when, uh, you know, Kanan says, "No, we don't do it unless we have to." And he's like, "Relax." And then he shoots. <laughs> he uses it as Teresa told us he would as a blaster. Teresa told us about that last time, didn't you, Teresa? Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, and he uses it. It's kind of like a blaster combination of his like slingshot thing. Yeah, it looks kind of similar to the energy he uses to to fire off on that little slingshot thing. Yeah, and I love Kanan's reaction. Mine doesn't do that. <laughs> well, and that was that a call? Did that? Did you guys feel like that was a callback to their first encounter with the Inquisitor uh, when they went to go free who they thought was when they thought Luminar was still alive? Yeah. Now that now that you you say that, I absolutely do think it does. I think that Kanan's got a little bit of lightsaber envy going on because <laughs> I I. Obviously, the Inquisitor spins around like a Hasbro uh, action figure uh, would, um, and and now uh, uh, Ezra shoots little <laughs> little BBs, like little little blaster, little BBs. energy pellets. Yeah, it- I, yeah, I, I think I think Kanan, <laughs> but Kanan's is kind of neat too. Like if I could, if I could just give Kanan a hug and tell him that his lightsaber is also cool because it comes apart. It, yeah. It, it disassembles and it also has that really cool cross guard on it, which I, it's for me, I don't know. I, lightsaber design is one of my, I, I huge sort of, I, I, I don't know. I Uber, Uber nerd, I snob sort of things. Like, well, I, I hate it when you see a star Wars piece of promotional art and 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 characters have the wrong lightsabers, or or the colors are off, or you know, like it, it just it something doesn't look right. Like uh, you, you'll constantly see uh, illustrations of Luke, and he's got his he's got Anakin's lightsaber, but the blade is green, mm-hmm. and and it's 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 Return of the Jedi art, but he's got the wrong the wrong hilt, right? Like that just drives me nuts. And then in the Clone Wars uh, prequel era. There's so many lightsabers, and yet so few of them actually look good. So many of them look like they're just like a, a you know, like a vacuum cleaner pipe with some M and M's glued on, right? <laughs> I, but but every once in a while you get a design, and 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 that lightsaber sort of uh, uh, evokes the personality of the character, or sort of shows a shows a legacy or lineage. I mean. Uh, Luke going from Anakin's lightsaber to his own lightsaber, uh, which then ends up looking much more like Obi-Wan's lightsaber, I think it says a lot about the character, right? And then the fact that his blade is green versus blue. like I, I feel like lightsabers are a very important indicator of character. And so uh, 
I to see uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Ezra's lightsaber design. Uh, um, I, I, I downright dislike the Inquisitor's design because we know that it is, in fact, from a toy. Like, it, it's a general Grievous action, like, like a, I, I don't know, role-play toy lightsaber that they've just brought to the series, and it's double-sided, and it spins around, and it's everything that's that, that people complain about with, with bad guy lightsabers in the Star Wars universe. Um, but Kanan's lightsaber is so spot on because he is one of the last Jedi from that era. And his lightsaber just has this really cool sort of, uh, uh, a lot actually very similar to, to uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber in, in the force awakens. It's got this kind of medieval feel to it because it has that little, just that little sort of flourish in that top part with the cross guard. Um, uh, his is a little, uh, Kanan's is a little bit more, uh, like rapier ish than 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 the claymore aspect of Kylo Ren's, but but I don't know. I think I think it says a lot about his character and where he comes from and and how he came to build that lightsaber and sort of uh, uh, you know we, we get a lot of that in the Gathering in the Clone Wars and and I think it's important. I didn't realize Obi Wan Kenobi's lightsaber uh, and Luke's looked the same i guess but now i'm looking at it and they really do the one that luke built looks a lot yeah. like the the, the in universe explanation that a lot of people give is that luke built that in ben's hovel on tatooine and that's why like he used his pieces like sort of like the old like junk pieces that that obi-wan had from right. when he fled the the temple and that's why they're so similar but to me it says a lot about about where he is as a character that that he's shed his father's lightsaber uh not not by his own choice but it's gone and he's moved on and now he's much more obi-wan's uh apprentice than he is his father's son so like yeah. that's a now i heard someone and was it talking with us Teresa? i know we've gone off on the way another tangent here but that's fine <laughs> um do you think that Obi Wan had Qui Gon's lightsaber, and that's where Luke got the crystal from? That Obi Wan had Qui Gon's lightsaber, mm-hmm. and when Luke and, and when Luke goes back to Tatooine, and he kind of goes to Obi Wan's hovel, that he finds Qui Gon's lightsaber. There, there was a great, there was a great bit. Of, I've never thought about that before. Yeah, there was a great bit of business in. Shadows of the Empire, I think. Do you, mm-hmm. do you guys remember that book? Yeah. Shadows mm-hmm. of the Empire. Um, I didn't. Didn't it go through him constructing it in that book back in the day? And I know it's all legends now, but you know, just for the sake of argument. And then that where they kind of said he went back to his hovel. Now in the deleted scenes, he's just sitting in a random cave, putting yeah. it together. Yeah. I I feel like he's putting the finishing touches on it in right. that deleted scene. Uh, like he's just kind of tweaking it and mm-hmm. and and getting it just right before he's going to have to use it, because right. um, it's the first time. I I guess if we're counting Shadows of the Empire, he uses it to to beat up some swoop bike right, right, uh, right. thugs. But right. um, but yeah, that's what I felt. It was like he built it, but then he's kind of just he's he's sort of you know killing time while he waits for the for the the. He's the t- word he's to t- send to send R two and, and three PO in. He's tightening right. up all the screws. Yeah, yeah. For it. yeah, I uh, I just uh, I I I dig. I like Kanan's lightsaber design because it's almost out of the junk pile. 
Yeah. You know, the little staple gun situation he's got going on. Um, I, I dig the fact that he knew that he couldn't use it on a regular basis as a lightsaber. So to, to have an excuse to carry it around, you know, if someone wanted to know what it was, he made it a blaster as well. And, um, and, and it was cool to go ahead and get to see that in this episode. Because I think a lot of people want to see Kanan whip that thing out. And, and I kind of like the slow burn to that, you know, that, that we're getting as far as far as him potentially being in combat with it goes. Because Kanan's got, I mean, Ezra's got a way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I don't think we need to forget that. And, and I think his journey is one of the things that I'm latching on to that I didn't think I would latch on to so much that I've latched on to in this show is this journey of Ezra and Kanan together. Uh, because I was at first kind of iffy about bringing in more Jedi, you know, and, and they mm-hmm. won me over on that on that stint. I love Hera. I love what she brings to the table. I like Sabine. I'm absolutely over the moon about Zeb, you know, and, and I'm glad they've kind of, in, in recent episodes, we haven't really hung out with Chopper. His antics in this episode... I really like because because of how nice he was being to, Obi, uh, to Lando, and and to hear him talk and it sounds like he's actually you know just mu- someone's in there just mumbles and you know <laughs> almost like Kenny from South Park. Um, I just I, I I I like you know I like what we got to see with these guys in this episode. So um, I have nothing funny to go off of from that. So if you guys have a joke to make, that'll be fine. I'm just I'm I'm here looking at lightsaber styles now. <laughs> Teresa, uh, uh, I don't have any. You good got jokes. nothing. You I'll got say nothing? I'll say if 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 DK Books wants to put together one of those sort of in universe guides like they did with the Path of the Jedi and uh, and the Mercenaries Handbook and uh, or Bounty Hunters Handbook I should say and uh, the Book of Sith or whatever it's called. Um, if they want to put together one of those on how to construct your lightsaber, like a, like a, a, a an in-universe guide to doing that and to lightsaber styles and all that sort of thing, uh, I'm absolutely available to do that. Cause I, cause I think I've done enough research to, to write a book on it. Right. Cause I like, I'm obsessed with that. Like, like from the designer part of me, the designer and illustrator part of me, like I've been drawing my own lightsaber designs for as long as I've been a Star Wars fan. And and whenever a new official lightsaber design comes out, it is it, it like I obsess over them. Like I like I will nitpick the smallest details. Uh or in some instances get really upset when a character that I love, like let's say Kit Fisto, has a lightsaber that does not look like anything. Like mm. it, it drives me nuts that his character is so fantastic uh, and and has such like so many facets and is so interesting and and uh, has these great expanded universe stories and then his lightsaber is is just a, I don't know space flute that that has a laser sword coming out of it so space it, flute it just like it's it's just it's it looks like I. I I, it kind of looks like if you took Darth Maul's lightsaber and you cut it in half, um, mm. but then you put sort of like a tapered end on one on one end. Like it is not interesting whatsoever, um, and it's oh man, it just it drives me nuts that so many great characters have these sort of uh, I I don't know I, I half measure 
lightsaber designs because props was just like man attack of the clones we got to make like like three dozen lightsabers for this big fight scene at the end i you guys give me those smarties and i'll just uh you know glue them onto this this pipe wow man go and get they're just little red they're little red batteries right like like they they're they're I don't know. There's just there's no there's no art or finesse to it. But then every once in a while you get really cool designs. I I um oh his name I who's the who's the not not Galen Merrick, not the main character from the Force Awakens, but his uh, his mentor from the first game. Oh, you uh, mean the Force? The Force. The, the, Force, the Force Unleashed. Unleashed. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Oh. It's, it's something with a K, and I have all these other characters' names with Ks stuck in my head. I, I, Rom Coda, that's his name. Rom, uh, yeah, okay. His, his lightsaber design is really cool. It looks a lot like Qui Gon's, but then it's got uh, uh, like a, a piece of cloth wrapped around the top of it. Yes, um, yes. Which, which, like, which, as I said, like it says a lot about his character because it says that. That like because he he didn't have a clone army he had his militia he was much more like in the dirt and grime during the Clone Wars than than some of the other Jedi, uh, and so he's got sort of like it looks like this sort of field patch on his lightsaber whether it's so that he can get a better grip or it's because there's something exposed that he's trying to keep covered like it says something about his character you know Galen Merrick's lightsaber design is really cool as well but uh, that's Star Killer for those who aren't. Uh, used to using his his formal name, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, I could I could write a book on it. We, we I'm could, playing we could you talk out. Lightsabers all night. I'm playing you out, Cohen. I'm playing you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us real quick your final thoughts of uh, about Idiots Array, Cohen. Oh me, I, yeah. I I well I I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get back into rebels I, I i really wish that there weren't so many breaks uh, uh getting back into the season but they're pacing it this way for a reason and uh and i'm sure that uh, all will be made clear by the beginning of april um but yeah i having lando on the series is fantastic and i can't wait to see more Teresa, your final thoughts about idiots array in the piffle in the piffle um I really love this episode. It's my favorite. Like I said before, so far, I love Lando. Hera was amazing. She kicked ass, for lack of a better word at this wow. point. Wow. All right. I don't feel like finding a better word. <laughs> there you Sorry. Go. <laughs> um, and piffles are cool. We gotta, we've got to develop a, a game or an app or just a toy line for Teresa that's nothing but the cute animals of Star Wars. <laughs> So that she can just have those things at her at her fingertips at all times. Oh, how cool would it be if you could? It could be a game where you take care of one and you feed it and stuff, like a like a like a like Digimon a, pet or no, whatever they were called, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi, oh lord. Yeah, and then and I could change it and I could have a Kitwire or a Piffle or a Lost Cat. See now, I'll do you one better. I'd I I want a Star Wars Pokemon game where you can have yeah. like your little team of of of, uh, of all those things that you just said, a Minoc, you know, you have like a little little mini crate dragon, all, all sorts of stuff, and then you make them fight. That'd be really cool. And 
All right, so get Cohen started on lightsaber designs, get Teresa started on the animals of the Star Wars universe, and we can go for three or four hours. Uh, I tell you, this episode to me was really fun. As I said at the outset, it was a good uh, breather from what we'd seen, the heavy, deep stuff we'd seen in the previous two episodes. But when you hit uh, when you hit this one, it's really good. I love, love, love watching the ghost in flight, in battle against TIE fighters. I love the stuff in atmosphere with the cloud cover. And when the ghost just comes out of the clouds, guns are blazing at that TIE fighter to kind of finish them off and go ahead and get away. It's just really good stuff to me. Uh, seeing the bridge of a Star Destroyer, seeing people work on those things just uh, was awesome to me and, and was glad to see those kind of things revisited. I want to see the Empire show up again. I want to see these guys show down, not necessarily with the Inquisitor, but with uh, with the at least with the Empire again. Where's the old Agent Callus or whatever his name is? And uh, would love to see him show up again. But, you know, it's all coming down the pipe. Uh, there won't be an episode next week, but the following week they'll begin airing again. And uh, after that, who knows? They're, they're pacing them out probably to make some uh, February sweeps. And uh, I doubt they'll try to make May sweeps with them, but maybe. Just maybe. We'll see what happens. And if they're, and if they're specifically pacing them out to get some sweep stuff in, there's no telling who's going to show up in this mm-hmm. show. So... Uh, but we'll be right there along with it, watching and talking about it all along the way. Guys, don't forget this Saturday, January 24th at the time of recording, is our big Goliverse Marathon as we unite with Cure Childhood Cancer. You can find out more about them at curechildhoodcancer.org. But uh, we'll be doing an all-day-long marathon starting at 10 a.m. Eastern with the Big Honkin' Show and rolling through all the Goliverse shows until we close out that night with a super spectacular call-in. So come join us as you can at Mixer.com slash Goliverse, and uh, we'll point you in direction to give to Cure uh, as they search for Cure to Childhood Cancer. And uh, we'll be here all day, Saturday, January 24th. Also at time recording, 329 days until the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. So we all wait with bated breath for that. Thanks to Michael Cohen uh, for joining us. You can check out rebelspodcast.com. Check out KenobiMe.com and check out, uh, help me out, PullBoxPodcast.com. You know what? The easiest possible thing to do is to just go to ThunderQuack.com where you can find links to all of the podcasts that we produce. ThunderQuack.com. Yep. I can never think of cool things like that. So <laughs> for, <laughs> for Michael Cohen, for Teresa Delgado, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next time, guys, on Rebel Yell. Of course, may the force be with you. <laughs>